It's been a little bit of a chaotic morning. It's been a morning of transition here for all of our serving teams, especially our uh, setup team, right? And, and as I said in the prayer, this Labor Day weekend is just the one time in our culture of the most transition, isn't it? I mean, this time of year is a time of transition. I think even more so than New Year, right? We, trans, we transform from summer to fall. I ask this a lot, but who are my pumpkin spice people who are, love fall? Not too many. Boy I, I, boy, I love fall. I do unapologetically like a good pumpkin spice. Everything, donuts, coffee, whatever. Won't mention anything else, but pumpkin spice just absolutely rocks. Football, Pitt fans, congratulations. Penn State fans, we are. Thank you. Wondered, man, we got to wake up. Now, here's the cool thing about being inside. I know that when we're outside, we have the chance to sit wherever we want. Inside, everyone's in the front row. So I'm going to mess with all of you today. I hope you're up for you're all in the splash zone today. No, it's a time of transition, and, the, and, and legitimately, this is my favorite time of year, not just because of football, not just because of pumpkin spice, but the church, we in the church world, we really seem to come alive in the fall. For us here at Charter Road Church, our small groups are starting, our, our outreach, our mission to our local schools is starting back up. We're transitioning out of our summer message series of 1 John. Next week, we're starting a short three-week message series on family on family. And, and, and regardless of if, if you are a parent or not a parent, if you're married or single, it's going to be an absolutely awesome message series. Um, please be here every week for that. Bring a friend with you. Know that it is our intention to be outside three more times through the month of September. I hope we have a lot of fun. I'm praying for good weather. Uh, and then we will be back inside on October 2nd with two services. We will be back to two services on October 2nd. It's a time of transition. And not just this time of year, not just this time of year, but you are probably going through some kind of transition right now. You are probably, and I can safely say that because, again, life is full of transitions. Think about it. You are transitioning all the time. Your life is changing all the time. Our students know that because they change grades every single year. But hey, adults, do you know how often adults change careers? How often do adults change at least their job, let's say? Every four years. Every four years, we change jobs. It's difficult because we don't like change. Your life is always changing. Births, deaths, unexpected illness, unexpected health and healing. Culture changes. Society changes. My goodness, if you are over, I don't know, seven years old, the world you live in now is not the same world you grew up in. Amen? I am 41 years old. I am straddling the line right between millennial and Gen X. And I can tell you for certain, I'm starting to use that old person language like back in my day. I'm 41 years old. I'm starting to use that, but we can because the world that you and, hey, anyone in their 40s, the world you grew up in is a, a different planet than what we live in now. I've got to tell you, when I was in high school, I watched the MTV Music Awards. I did. 
I turned on the MTV Music Awards a couple weeks ago just to see what was going on in the world of music. Y'all, I was lost. I consider myself young at heart, but they were speaking a different. I have no idea what they were. Like, they changed the definition of music, man. We're in a constant state of change. And you know that. And for those of you, for the many of us that are not comfortable with change, that produces anxiety, right? And, and maybe while I was talking, there's a little bit of anxiousness that was popping up in all of you who don't like change. Maybe your heart rate started increasing. Now, when I get anxious, and this is true, I don't mean this to be corny. Anytime I get anxious, I love to go to the Word of God because the Word of God calms me right down. Specifically, I like to go to the book of Psalms when I get anxious. I like to go to the book of Psalms when I get anxious. If you're not familiar with the book of Psalms, it's not a narrative story like a whole lot of God's Word is. Psalms is 150 different songs or poems written about God, usually written to God. And most, a majority of the Psalms are written by people who are feeling anxious. A majority of the Psalms are written by people who are struggling in an ever-changing world. And so the book of Psalms is that perfect book. If you are somebody who just wants to open God's word and just let God guide you, Psalms is the perfect book to do that. Because inevitably, if you are anxious or if you are feeling frustrated, if you are feeling directionless, if you open up the book of Psalms just to a random place, you will probably find what God wants to tell you. Because a lot of those were written by people who are feeling anxious in an ever-changing world. What I want to do to you this morning, or for you this morning, I want to preach. I want to preach to you like we do every week. I want to preach to you so you can preach to yourself. Because we're only together as the large group most of the times on Sunday morning. And so I don't just want you to have that preaching opportunity on Sunday mornings. I want you to be able to preach to yourself Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and let God's Word do it. We're going to start off today by letting the book of Psalms do it. We are going to start off by reading Psalm 42. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, I don't know if you can even see this, but it's, it's kind of halfway through the Bible. It's the biggest book of the Bible. And if you can't find it in your Bible, feel free to go to the table of contents and look that up. Psalm 42, listen to what this psalmist is going through, especially if you yourself are feeling anxious today. Here's what the psalmist says. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet God? Now this person is feeling spiritually dry. Are you in a spiritually dry point in your life? This psalmist was. My tears have been my food day and night. My, my goodness, what poetic language. My tears have been my food 
day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? This person is experiencing sadness. No, let's call it what it is. This person is experiencing depression. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. This person's feeling overwhelmed. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? This person feels like God has abandoned him. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior. And my God, what I'm desperate to do for you today and with you, I want to preach to you so you can preach to yourself every day. Whenever you are experiencing the same things as this psalmist was experiencing thousands of years ago. Dryness of spirit. Sadness, depression, feeling like God isn't there. Is that where you are today? You don't got to hide it. I'm so glad you're here. Perhaps the best message that you and I can preach to ourselves is verse 5 of this psalm, which is, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, period. Today's message is about hope. It's about hope. At Charter Oak Church, we talk about hope a lot because it's this incredible, beautiful, intangible concept. But here's the deal with hope. The hope that God gives us, the hope that God invented is so different than the way we use hope in our English language. It's night and day, and I want to prove it to you by playing a little game. I want you to finish this sentence and just shout something out that's really fun. I hope that what? I just want us to use it in a sentence. I hope that what? I hope that I win a million dollars. Unlikely, but we hope it happens. Somebody said, I hope it doesn't rain today. When we made the decision to come inside, I hope that it would rain today. <laughs> I hope that it would be a torrential downpour right now. <laughs> when you have to make a decision, sometimes uh, that happens. What else? Let's have some fun. I hope that. I have additional family members. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to touch that one because your family's right here. And we're going to move on from that one. But amen. Amen. I hope that what? One more. 
I hope that the Steelers win the Super Bowl. This year, Renee? Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. But we hope. We hope that it's true. And that's how we use, that's uh, in 100% of the instances in which we use the word hope in the English language, it always conveys a desire, a wish that something good happened in the future, but we're not sure. Right? The way we use hope in the English language always conveys a degree of uncertainty. And that's so lame. Because as we just talked about a few minutes ago, uncertainty is the worst. Uncertainty is draining. It breeds doubt. It takes away our peace, not gives us peace. And that's why the concept of hope that God gives us is not the way we use hope in our everyday language. The hope that God gives us, of course, is the desire for something good to happen in the future. It's also the certainty that it will happen. And so whenever you read about hoping in the Lord, hoping in God, hoping in the rock, hoping in the Redeemer, in Scripture, it is not just a wish or a desire. It is the certainty that everything God says is true. Let's take just a few moments to break down Psalm 42 and we'll get a clearer picture of what God wants to share with us today. Psalm 42 is beautiful. It is simple. And maybe this song is your song. The psalmist starts out like this by stating his current condition. Verses 1 through 3, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? It's comforting to me that the psalmist doesn't hide his feelings. Did you grow up in a household where you had to hide your feelings? Did you grow up in a church family where you had to make it seem like it was all sunshine and rainbows all the time? Because real Christians don't experience hardship. If you've been taught that, you have been taught a false gospel. We do not experience sunshine and rainbows all the time. We do not experience calm water all the time. We're going to make that evident in just a few minutes. It is so comforting to me that this psalmist, it's a part of the Bible, doesn't hide what he's going through. Church family, you and I don't have to hide what we're going through. Then the psalmist goes on to, to look backward, to look backward in his life. Verse 4, I love this. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. How I used to 
And that psalmist says, I remember, I remember. Is there any, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Please don't raise your hand. If you need to talk about it afterwards, please come and see me. Is there anybody going through a dry spell in their faith right now? Is anybody out there feeling disconnected from God right now? What this psalmist did thousands of years ago is he looked back to his past. If you're a Christian today, there is some point in your life that you are on fire for the Lord. That you are passionate about the Lord. And maybe you're not today. Could you go back in your life and remember what made you passionate about God and what happened between then and now to make you lose your passion? It was helpful for this psalmist to remember when he did have that passion, when he surrounded himself with his spiritual family. Spiritual family, I'm so glad to be together today. And then finally, what that psalmist did was he made a declaration for the future. He made a declaration for the future. After looking at his past, he said this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him. My Savior and my God. Now this person is really struggling. This person is really struggling. As soon as the psalmist wrote down the words, just believe in God, put your hope in God, I'm sure his circumstances didn't change immediately. But that, and somebody needs to hear this today, that is the wonderful thing about real, true, biblical, capital H, hope. The beautiful thing about real hope is that it is not based on your circumstances. Earthly hope is... So when we say, I hope the Steelers win the Super Bowl this year, that is based on our circumstances. That's based on the fact that we don't have an offensive line and our quarterback, no matter who it is, is going to get killed this year. That's the circumstances surrounding that. That's earthly hope. When I say, I hope in my eternal life, that's assurance, brothers and sisters. And that's not based on my circumstances. We fall into the trap of making our biblical hope based on our circumstances. We are on fire for God until life gets hard. And then we walk away from God because maybe God doesn't exist or care. Does God's existence or love for us, is it based on my circumstances? It is not. He is not. Are you in a place today where you need hope? You will be. If you're not today. Christians, can I make a very, very bold, maybe an offensive statement? Specifically to Christians. If you are here today and you are not yet a Christian, I am so glad you're here. I'm not talking to you right now. I want to talk directly to my brothers and sisters in Christ. You should need biblical hope. You should always need biblical hope. Because you and I are called to suffer for our faith. You and I are called to endure hardships for our faith. And so you and I will need constant biblical hope or should need constant biblical hope. We're going to turn as we start to close out this message to just an excerpt that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're just going to read a couple excerpts. 
And you could throw a dart at Paul's teachings and Paul's letters and find this same sentiment. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul was one of the first Christian missionaries. He was one of the first Christian missionaries. And all I want you to know about Paul right now is that he wrote this particular letter from jail. He writes this in verse 24. I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Let's stop. Paul writes from jail, I rejoice in what I am suffering. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Usually in our hearts, those two things don't go together. In our culture, they certainly don't go together. Here's the deal. There are three kinds of suffering in this world. In my estimation, there's three kinds of suffering in this world. We live in a fallen world, right? And so there's a lot of suffering that comes as a result of that fallen world. The suffering that you experience in your life, a lot of times is just people and things that are affecting you, that sin against you and cause you to suffer. That's one kind of suffering. Things that just happen that are outside of your control. There's a second kind of suffering. We ourselves are sinful human beings, and sometimes we just make really dumb decisions. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands in that, but I will raise my hand and say, I have made some really poor decisions in my life. And sometimes the suffering that we incur, we incur against ourselves because of the dumb decisions we make. Those are two forms of suffering. Did you know there's a third way to suffer? Christians, there's a suffering that we incur ourselves for a holy reason. And that's in spreading the gospel message. And God promises that we will suffer if we choose to tell people about Jesus and our fallen world that hates Jesus. We will suffer. I don't know if you really know who the Apostle Paul is, but if you don't, Google search a biography. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, I have been whipped, I have been shipwrecked three times, beaten with rods, stoned, in danger from bandits. I have been hated and continue to be hated by my own people. Paul writes, that's all okay. Because I have one goal. I have one mission. It's to tell people about Jesus Christ. And I am happy to be stoned. I am happy to be beaten with rods. I'm happy to be shipwrecked. Because my primary goal in life is to tell a world about Jesus who most of which doesn't want to hear it. And so Christians today in 2022, what are we doing with our lives? Christians, are you ready for a little bit of tough love? I'm just talking to Christians right now. What percentage of our prayer requests are consumed by the first two ways of suffering. I'm going to speak for myself. Most of the times when I pray to God specifically about my discomfort, I am praying to God because of the things that are, that are occurring against me. Health concerns, right? Or I'll pray uh, uh, on behalf of other people, intercessory prayer on behalf of other people for, for health concerns or negative circumstances that are happening just because we live in a fallen world. That's what most of my prayer requests are made up of. 
And I think in our culture, most of our, all of our prayer requests are made up of just asking God for, for healing, which is wonderful. God wants those prayer requests. God knows that we live in a fallen world. God knows that we suffer and God wants us to ask for relief from suffering that we either incur ourselves or other people perpetrate against us. How many of our prayers are because we are suffering for the gospel message? If you had a pie chart, how big would that slice of pie be when you are praying for your own efforts in evangelism, Christian? I'm preaching to myself now because I stand before you convicted. What are we doing with the knowledge of the Savior that we claim to have? Jesus Christ Himself in John 15 said, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you Also, Jesus Christ promises His disciples that they will be persecuted for their faith. If we are not being persecuted for our faith, if we are not being persecuted in any way for our faith, are we living out our faith? There is a pop culture version of the Christian faith that says that when you become a Christian, life is what? easy when you become a christian life is all sunshine and rainbows of course it is because god says he will be with us and never leave us so we in our culture interpret that to mean that god is with me god will make my life very very easy god will make serving with the church very very easy and uncomplicated and we will never have to make the decision whether to go inside or outside because it will always be easy And the weather will always be 68 degrees and slightly overcast so the pastor doesn't get a sunburn. I kind of dig the tan I get over the summer because I'm a a guy that like has a brilliant white skin tone. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, life isn't easy for Christians. What were you signing up for? When you signed up to be a Christian, was it a life of ease? (laughs) Jesus doesn't say that our life will be easy. Towards the end of his life, Jesus gave us a warning. Jesus in Matthew 24 says, Watch out that no one deceives you. (laughs) Watch out that nobody deceives you because there are a lot of places that want to deceive us about this topic. Here's the topic. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you're not alarmed such things must happen but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these are the beginning of the birth pains then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations, because of me. Christians, when we sign up 
to be disciples of Jesus Christ, do we know what we are signing up for? Or did you want life to be easy? Wouldn't it be nice if life could be easy? Just, just sometimes, right? There was... There was a version of this existence that was easy. There was a version of this existence that was paradise. It was called Eden. Do you know what you and I did with Eden? We rejected it. We didn't want easy. We wanted our way. And Adam and Eve made a very important decision to do things their own way. Their own way was a life of toil and hardship. That's when our world became fallen. And because you and I live in that same fallen world, life is not going to be easy. No path you take in life is going to be easy. So the thing we have to do is we have to choose our difficult. We have to choose which way we want to walk because they're all going to be difficult. Do you want life to be difficult with God or without God? You've got to make that decision. Do you want to suffer the consequences of your own sins or do you want to suffer in a holy way showing people Jesus Christ? So Christians, how exactly are you and I suffering for the cause of Christ? Do, do, do you have some friends, honestly, that, that just don't want to hang out with you anymore because you are living a different lifestyle and you want to hang out with them, but they don't want to hang out with you anymore because they want to do some of those old things and you refuse to do those? Have you found that in your life? You will and you should. And that's difficult, but you should be finding that in your life. Because not everybody in your life will support discipleship. Amen. I hope you're finding that in your life. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Is it hard to find time in your schedule to serve? It should be hard. It should be hard. <laughs> because it's not easy to serve. Is it so difficult to rearrange your spending habits to give away 10% of your income to the work of God? It should be difficult. It's difficult for everyone. That's why God asks us to do it. It is difficult to live a Christian lifestyle. The thing is, we've got to choose our difficult. Do we want it to be difficult with God or without God? This world hates God. And this world hates God's children. And so, yes, life in this world will be difficult for God's children. Paul is preaching to us so we can preach to ourselves. Going once more back to Colossians, very quickly, Paul writes this, I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul wrote, could you, could you Aiden, leave that slide up, please? I want us to look at this. Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. These are no longer Paul's words. These are my words. 
because I want to stand before you today and say I have become your servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, leaving nothing out. And they're not just my words, Christian Christians, they are your words too. If you are a Christian today, this is your commission. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Christians, we have got to preach to ourselves. We have the gift of everlasting life are we going to keep it to ourselves? The most important thing that you and I could do individually is to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with the next person. The most important thing that we can do together as the church is walk out these doors and serve our community and show them Jesus. It's the most important thing we could do. Now, that's going to be difficult. That's going to be very, very difficult. You know what's easy? And I say this, one, because first and foremost, I love you. And second, because I used to live this lifestyle. Do you know what's easy? Easy is coming to church once in a while when it's convenient. Easy is is tuning in for a a worship service when it fits in your schedule. That's really easy to do. I say this because I love you. It is super easy not to serve. It is super easy to put a $1 bill in the offering basket. It is super easy to ignore our neighbors when you know they need help. It is so very easy to claim that we are Christians and not actually be Christians. Super easy. It's like going sailing. It's the end of summer. Maybe we have one more weekend. Maybe you're going sailing today when you leave this worship service. Maybe you go up to the lake. You see a sailboat tied to the dock. You get in that boat. You sit down and you say, we, I'm sailing. Now, you don't expect me (laughs) to go out into the open water, do you? (laughs) Because that sounds dangerous. Yeah, sure, it looks calm and nice outside now, but what if a storm pops up? You're crazy if you think I'm going out into the open water. The only problem is you're not sailing, you're sitting in a boat. That boat was designed to be out on the open water. That boat was designed for the rope to be taken in, for the canvas to be let out. That boat was designed to be out on the open water regardless of if the water is calm or if there is a raging hurricane. That was what that boat was designed for. You were designed to live forever. And to pass along that gift to anybody who wants to hear about it. That's what you were designed to do. If your hope is circumstantial, if your hope is uncertain, then you're never going to get off the dock. But if your hope is in Jesus Christ, if you live with God's holy and biblical version of hope, you know that you don't even need that sailboat because you can walk on water. 
you know that you can move mountains. You know that the Lion of Judah lives inside of you. And you can serve. And you can give. And you can pass Jesus along to everybody who wants to hear about him. That is hope. That is hope. Let's pray about him. Father God, as a deer pants for water, we need you so badly. We need you so badly in our lives, Lord God, more than food, more than water. We need your presence in our lives, Lord God. So often we walk away. So often we walk away when things get difficult. Because we think this life should be easy. Father God, you offered us easy and we walked out of the garden. In heaven, you opened the doors back up. And very soon, we will be back in paradise with you where life is very easy. But until then, Lord God, we have a commission. And Lord God, we seal our commitment to that commission right now as we receive your holy communion. Father God, it's in your precious Son, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.